today. If you want to turn your Bibles, welcome to everybody who's online. Great to have you here, Singapore, Vietnam, and around the world. We think you're awesome. You're called to God for a purpose. Amen? Is that right? Okay, if you turn to Matthew 13, 44. I was told I didn't have to do this, but the more I read it, who loves the parables? All the parables, which has gone along with the theme this morning, is about God's love for us and how he will go to the ends of the world for us and how we are valuable to our Father God. You are not a mistake. You just didn't happen here um, by accident. God has a purpose and a destiny for you, and you go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But you know what that is? Living life to the full and enjoying your life. And sometimes it's getting rid of baggage. You know, the one thing the enemy wants you to do is carry the baggage of blame, shame, and everything else like a big sack on your back so you're bent over and you can't run, you can't move, and you can't do anything exciting. You're weighed down. You know, we all have made mistakes and we wish we hadn't done them or said them or whatever. But God says that he has thrown our sin, our shame, blame and everything as far as away from the east to the west and we can't pick it up. The only way we carry it is not what God puts on us, it's what puts on ourselves. And we need to get that off, take it off throw it off and enjoy life. It says here in Matthew 13, 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, I think God's trying to emphasize something to us, church. You know, and sometimes we're just, Anna, just looked at you. God just said, I see. I see your heart chasing after me. He sees you going after him. Other people mightn't see it, but God sees it. That's straight from your father, God. Okay, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. You know, I did a, um, a study on pearls because I've got my pearl earrings on this morning. And it says... The pearl formation process is quite mystical. How do, do these seemingly commonplace little mollusks turn out exquisitely lustrous, near-perfect spheres? Like many, like many natural processes, the birth of a pearl takes time. It's quite the way it's worded. I thought, oh, I quite like science. Pearls, oysters make pearls in response to an irritant. 
Who loves irritant on their lives? Oh. But God says that it makes something beautiful out of your life. A little bit of pressure and a little bit of rubbing. You know, when your husband annoys you next time, think, this is making me look beautiful if I don't yell at him or, you know, all those things. Yes. So a little irritant, such as a grain of sand, it's only small. When an irritant makes its way between the mollusk's shell and mantle, the creature produces mother of pearl. You've seen inside, there's, there's another name for it, but um, a protective coating that helps reduce irritation. Mother of pearl in its microscopic, is made of microscopic crystals of calcium carbonate and it also lines the interior of the mollusk's shell. Layers of mother and pearl coat the irritant, eventually forming an iridescent gem, the pearl. <clears throat> and I was thinking, well, there's so many gems, excuse me, that Jesus could have talked about. But apparently at this time, the pearl in, in Rome was the most precious gem there was. Pearl farmers ha must have immense patience to wait for the pearl to form inside the oyster and develop. It can take up to six months. For larger pearls, it can take four years. Then he carefully opens the shell and extracts the um, pearl and evaluates it for its quality. How beautiful is that? It's all made by God, God's plan. You see, even with the whole process of this pearl, it happens by irritants and things like this, but God planned it all. And that's just for a little pearl. And you think of how many things God has planned on this earth and how big his thinking is. But it says here, that the kingdom of heaven values us as a merchant values pearls. We are annoying. I think we're annoying to God quite a bit. I think I'm irritating to God some of the questions I ask him. And some, some of them he does say to me, you, I, you won't know till you get here. And some of us with those sort of minds, Stephen Blackblock, Always want to know it now here on earth, don't we, Stephen? But God says, just be a little bit patient, Stephen, and you will know all when you reach heaven. And as, as the merchant who is Jesus, this is what it's describing. Jesus is the merchant, and he will sell all he has to purchase the pearl, which is us. This is what it's likening. Jesus is the merchant here. And he gave up everything to purchase us, to redeem us, that he will bring us home, which is not here, 
It's heaven to be with our Father. Are you getting this? Are you getting the picture? I'm making this really personal this morning. I really feel God wants to be personal with you. Heaven gave its very best in Jesus Christ to die for us, to purchase our souls. Jesus gave everything to buy you for heaven. In Hebrews 12, 2, I'll just turn there. In the New King James, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he counted it joy, guys. You know, we get a little bit touchy, we get a little bit of pain, but it says, he counted all joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's a lot packed into that verse. I'm going to read it to you from um, the Passion Bible. It says, We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus, who birthed faith within, within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. So when we come to Christ, we get faith But Jesus is leading us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross. That's powerful. He was thinking of you And with joy, he endured the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured endured the humiliation. How many of us will not read our Bible? in our lunchroom just in case somebody sees us. Who is too scared to share their faith because you might feel embarrassed? But it says here that Jesus was stripped. He was whipped. He hung on a cross for you to have the kingdom of heaven. How powerful is that? He is the pioneer and perfecter of faith. This was the joy of our salvation. He placed before his eyes the bliss we would forever share together with him. His heart was to share heaven and eternity with us, which empowered him to go through his agony, thinking nothing of its shame. How awesome is that? We're bringing the cross into our life this morning. Stripped away, Jesus was there. He did it all for you. 
And so often we just move on. We take these emblems this morning. We move on. We move on in Christian without thinking of the reality of that he had. If you don't look at the people around you, he had me. See, this could bring you to tears. He had my face before him. And with joy, he agonized that cross to see me in heaven with him. How powerful is that? And then it goes on to say that he ascended. He had the victory, beat the devil over everything. So why are you letting him lie in your mind and telling you you're nothing? Because he's always already told you you're more valuable than a pearl, which was the most valuable treasure and gem at that time. Oh, wait a minute. Haven't you read it? I'm being sarcastic here. But haven't you picked this up and read it? Because there's a hole in that chapter 13 of all the parables, how he went, left the sheep and went after the lost one. That was you. See, this is life. When you get into it, you just don't want to put it down because it's so powerful. And then he ascended and he walked with the disciples when he came out of the grave. And he even made them breakfast. How cool is that, guys? He made the breakfast. We've had Ascension Sunday. And when he ascended up, as he was ascending up into heaven, he still had you on his mind, guys. There's even more. Come on, there's even more. Say, there's even more. Because as he ascended, he says, go. Go to the upper room and wait. Go and wait. Because... I have something even more powerful for you. He said, go and wait, because I am sending one who will give you power. And we need to think about this. Um, The disciples were pretty weak, like us. Pretty weak. Something comes along, they're pretty fearful. They ran away. They hid while Jesus is getting whipped and beaten. They're hiding. Oh, no. You know, when somebody's giving their testimony, oh, no, I don't want the boss seeing me that I'm part of them. I'll just go over here and cry and hide a little bit. Don't worry, I have done this in the past, so I'm not putting you guys down. Oh, that person out on the street giving their testimony, I'll just step away a little bit because they're actually being over the top now and I don't want to be seen that I'm one of those Christians. I have done it, okay, in the past. But he says, I will send one who will fill you with power and fire. Not just power, but fire. Did you respond? It says in John 14, 12, most assuredly, I love these words, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. So we can do what Jesus did. But then he says, 
and greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Because I am going to the Father, I am sending the Holy Spirit to fill you with fire and power. And you will be able to do greater things than when you were that scaredy, afraid little person that used to hide. Don't get arrogant and think you can do greater things than Jesus. No, no. It says, greater things will you do than that weak, scared little person. I'm filling you with fire and power that you can go out. Amen? Are you getting this? It was like an, another Elijah, mighty man of God, called to do miracles. We read the Old Testament. We're going back now. Who's read that? We're going back. Did amazing miracles. And then one day when he's walking past a farm, he sees this young man pushing his plow. And he sees God shows him the potential in that young man. And he says, come and follow me. And the young man says, well, can I go back and say, kiss mummy goodbye and do that? And he says, and Elijah, he's a bit of a hard man. He says, well, if you're going to do that, just forget about it. If you're going to follow me, you've got to harden up. So he burnt his plow and everything, and he followed Elijah. Great miracles happen. And then Elijah's going to be taken up. And he says to Elisha, if you're there when I'm taken up, you can have my mantle. And of course, he was there and he got the mantle. And it says that Elisha did double the miracles of Elijah. And he died. And they put him in, a, in the grave. And a few years later, they were carrying a dead man down the road. And they had, didn't have a grave for him. So they threw him in with Elisha. And as soon as his body touched the bones of Elisha, he came alive. And there's a story in that too. You see, Elisha hadn't handed on the mantle. He still had the miracles within him. God has placed his Holy Spirit on you and fire and miracles. Are you passing it on? Are you going to carry it to the grave? You see, everybody says Elisha was greater than Elijah. I don't think so because he didn't hand on the mantle. Are you handing on your mantle? Are you handing on the miracles that are in you? Are you imparting and praying for people? Everybody you come in contact. I was in hospital. I've been in twice. What a boring place to go. But I lay there and I thought, and I wasn't allowed out of bed because I had this heart monitor on me. How boring is that? But I was in the cardiac emergency ward and I heard people. So I just laid there and cried and prayed and prayed for each one of those people in that ward. In fact, I had a beautiful Filipino um, young guy doctor, um, nurse, 
And I'm in there and I'm praying and, and he comes and he says, are you all right, Julia? And I says, yeah, I'm just praying. I can't get out and go and lay hands on them, pray for them. So I'm praying. And I said, I'm only here. I'm okay. I'm only here to pray for these people. You see, use what you've got. Pass it on. See, I don't want to go to the grave and somebody throw a body on top of me in a few years' time and they come alive because I haven't used the power of God that he's placed in me. Well, they might put another coffin on top of my coffin. It might be Don's. That's quite encouraging, Don. You might be revival might hit. <laughs> we need to use what's within us, guys. And we need to tell everybody about this great salvation that we have. Because we need to look at people and think if I don't share it, they have no hope. Don't be embarrassed. Jesus had no embarrassment being stripped and hanging on a cross. In 1 Corinthians, oh, I've only got three minutes. In 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, it says, Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. The kingdom is within us every day. Value its power and the call. You know, 20 years ago, I had a conversation with my son. And he was a little bit at church, anti-church and anti-everything, actually. And he was telling me that the church was not relevant and blah, 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 blah about the church and the people because he lived in a house and he did see some things going on. So I listened to the blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, I just burst out laughing at him. And I said to him, Regan, am I kind and loving? Yes, Mum. Am I generous and fun? I can be fun sometimes. Yes, mum. Would I do anything for you? Would I die for you? Yes, mum. Well, our son, I'd hate to tell you, but I am the church. You are the church. If anybody starts talking about the church and putting it down, just let them know, I am the church. You know, there's always some strangers and there are some people that are different to us, but we are the church. Come on, rise up, get excited about it. What was amazing was after that, a few months after that, he gave his heart to the Lord. Thank God for that, because now he's in heaven, and I think he would be quite happy. And how lucky is he sitting beside Jesus? I bet he doesn't want to come back here. He's having the coolest time and he's with those cloud of witnesses yelling and screaming and telling me to get up. Get up and tell them, Mum. Tell them how it really is because he was pretty straight like that. Don't muck around. Don't, don't let a little pain in your heart stop you getting up to preach because this is truth. This is the power of God. It's so exciting. How valuable is Christ in your life? How invested are you in his will? How valuable are the broken and hurting to you? Would you give everything to bring them into the kingdom? You know, we've got the five-year plan for our finances and we've got this and that. And you know, God says, why are you worrying about it? I've got you covered. Sure, we've got to work and we've got to make money and we don't 
be stupid with our money, but why are you worried about it? I've got you covered. You know, I'm going to tell you a quick story. 30 years ago, we were missionaries in Tonga, and Elena got bacterial meningitis, which is a killer, because I have a doctor on the front row. And, um, and Don, because he'd taken us to Tonga, he thought it was his fault, but God had taken us there. But see how we take on the wrong thinking. So he went out into the middle of Tonga, which is made of coral, and he scraped all this coral up, and he made an altar, and he lay on it for the whole day. Came home, his face was red as beetroot. And he prayed, God, take me, but save her, because it's my fault, which wasn't. And he came home that night, and um, she was still unconscious, and um, <clears throat> she was actually in our bed, on one side of our bed, and we were on the other side of it. And we had the doctors coming and giving her medication and that. But um, we started praying. We said, well, God, she's yours, whatever. And you think God would say something encouraging to us, wouldn't you think? And God's words to us, you see, God wants to see where we're really at. And he said, if I take her, will you still love me? And will you still serve me? And that is quite a challenge, I tell you, just talking about it, but it is a challenge. And we talked about it and we prayed about it and we said, okay, God, if you take her, we'll stay here, we'll still serve you and love you and do whatever. And over the next day or so, God healed her which was totally a miracle. The miracle actually was she was an average student and when God healed her, she, she, was an a, she got straight A's. You see, some people would say, oh, it's just the medication, but God just puts that little thing when he does a miracle and he says, it's me. God does like to show off sometimes. I came back to New Zealand probably five years later and I sat at an AOG conference in New Plymouth. And I sat beside a lady I didn't know because I didn't know anybody in the AOG those days. And, um, and we were sharing about our lives on the mission field and I was telling her about this story with Elena and she started weeping. And she is a missionary in Kenya. She is actually still in Kenya. And um, her daughter, the family had a car crash, ended up in hospital, and the, her daughter looked perfectly okay. But she had internal bleeding, and she passed away. And she says, those were the exact words God said to her as she sat beside her daughter in the hospital. Will you still love me? And will you still serve me? And you know, that lady is still on the mission field to this day. She has built schools. She has built orphanages. She is an absolute champion. She's doing what God has called her to do. She's given all. 
to see people come into the kingdom of God. You know, at the end of the um, of the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. See, he is our provision, church. And forgive us our debts as we forgive others. We've got to walk in forgiveness. We've got to get rid of that bag off our backs. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. He's put his power, his fire within each one of you. Amen? To do his will. Be like that, like Margaret. You know, there's disappointments that come in life. And every day, she will think of her daughter. But she's possibly like me with my son. He is part of the cloud of witnesses. So we don't lose them. They're just through the veil. And they're cheering us on and saying, come on, isn't this right, Graham? Come on, Graham, get up. You're not that old. There's still more for you. He's in the worship band at C3 Whangarei again, doing what God has gifted him to do. God never gives up. And we never retire in the kingdom. There's still more. There's still more people we can tell. There's still more people that we can lay hands on and impart. Get rid of it. Impart it. He'll probably give you more, though. But impart it into the lives of others. Because this nation needs what you have on your life. We're looking to... I was just looking at all the... Prime Ministers around the world, actually, and I'm thinking, God help us. And he is. And you see what happens is that Jesus passed the rest of his call like Elijah passed to Elisha. He says, go and do the miracles. Jesus is saying, go out. Go out and make disciples of men. Go out and finish what I started. Go out. Go out and do it. And you do it in your workplace. See, we're all ministers. We're all ministers of the gospel. We're all cool. And we're all that priceless pearl that Jesus paid the price for. If you're online, Jesus loves you. He paid a price for you. You're like that exquisite jewel that he paid everything for. But now he says, I've put the mantle on you, put the Holy Spirit on you. Now go out and finish what I started. Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you. God, that your hope is in us. And God, make us stronger. 
make us more powerful, make us, God, just amazing preachers of the gospel, that we can give this life that you have placed within us and the hope you have placed within us and eternity. Church, this isn't home. This is like a caravan park or a motel. We're just moving through. Home is where we go one day to be with Jesus. So awesome. God, just bless these people. God, raise them up. Raise them up to be your army of incredible soldiers that will complete what you have put them on earth to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We pray that you would activate something in your life and shift your life towards Jesus. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, just click follow. We love you. Have a blessed week.